This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. So good morning, Charged Up Studio listeners. I'm so glad you're here with us again today. This is Dana Olivo, your host and CEO of Marketatomy LLC. As a business owner, we've all heard the phrase, customers seek out people they know, like, and trust to do business with, right? Well, our guest today is the epitome of what this mantra encompasses. Let's get all give a charged up studio welcome to Ken Cook. <laughs> all right, Ken. So let us let, let's start out. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I uh, I own uh, five businesses actually. Uh-huh. Um, uh, chief among them is the Prepared Group, uh, where we do marketing strategy. Okay. Uh, and we help other marketing agencies. Uh, productize marketing strategy that they can then deliver to their clients on a consistent basis. Okay. okay. And so what that that ultimately looks like then is we uh, deal with how how does somebody deal with the entirety of a customer's journey? And what's what's funny is is the epitome of no like and trust. I don't know if you know the background of that phrase or not. Is is it originally uh, was popularized by Zig Ziglar. Yes. Okay. Yes. But Zig Ziglar worked for a man by the name of Ben Gay III. Okay. This is one of Ben Gay's books. I have several others. Wow. Ben Gay III was the, uh, worked for Napoleon Hill, and he uh, hired both uh, Zig and Bob Proctor. Mm. Okay. And, and so it's actually a Napoleon Hill through uh, um, Ben Gay III to Zig Ziglar concept. And what's interesting is we've all heard it, but very, very few people truly understand what does it mean to implement and execute that in my business? Implement and execute the no like and trust. No like and trust. In your business, okay? And, so, and, so, and it has to do with credibility. Building credibility and, right. Ab- absolutely. And so it's it's not just credibility, but it's relational capital. Okay, okay. Right? Th- think, think of it like this. Imagine that um, your best friend on the first day that you met them asked you for a giant favor right Mm -hmm. on that first day you're probably somewhat unlikely to grant it but over time as that relationship builds and builds and builds right there's more knowledge there's more like and there's more trust 
Right. My best friend, he lives um, back east, just outside of Washington, D.C. Okay. And that man could say to me, Ken, I need you on a plane in D.C. in 12 hours or less. And it would happen. Right? He wouldn't have to tell me a reason. He would simply need to say, hey, I need you here now. Right. And for whatever reason he decided, that's enough because of the length and breadth and depth of that relationship for us to take an action. Right. And so the question is for, for our businesses, how do we build that with our customers, vendors, suppliers, etc.? Right. So that when we need a review, a testimonial, someone to get on the phone with a prospect on our behalf, etc., our customers are excited. Yes. Right? That process, I think, when I say I think a lot of us are missing this, this is what I'm talking about, is, is we don't have a process to take this guy who's giving us money as a customer and really uh, transform them into a raving fan. You know, that's, you know, the, the, the fact of transforming raving fans is one of the founding principles that, that you know, I focus on I because we focus on that customer experience. And most individuals, when they, most business owners, when they think of the customer experience, it pretty much stops at contract. Right. Okay. It's the prospecting. They they put a lot of effort in. It's like the relationship, a, a loving relationship, or 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 that infatuation in the early stages of a relationship. You put in so much effort into attraction that you don't spend the time needed to build the foundation for that relationship. And exactly. that's what's so important. Yes. Yeah. Well, and, and that's that's the whole thing here is to what degree do we think of the signed contract as the wedding day versus the first date? That's true. That's true. Right? That's exactly I, it. I, I, I would argue and I've argued for a long time that the the signed contract is actually the first date. Yep. No, I and, agree. And I, I think that's where so many business owners are missing out on massive opportunity, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Because yeah. if you see this as the first date, well, now I know that I've got to keep going. I've got to build systems. I've got to build process in order to get a second date, in order to get a third date, yeah. in order to get a fifth and sixth and tenth. Right? And those are the upsells that you're making. Each Each additional date that you're getting is, is functionally money in your pocket as a business owner. And that's exactly it, you know. Um, no, you're, you're, you're exactly right. You know, the customer journey process is what leads to those, ra those raving fans. And if we're not able to carry them through from the very lead generation conversion side of things all the way through, you know, we're not meeting those customers' expectations. And that's what happens a lot of times when the contract's signed, you know, it's signed for a particular purpose, okay? But we forget about the way things change in the relationship and how do you adjust for those changes in the relationship. And the only way you're going to be able to adjust to that is understanding when those changes happen. Absolutely. You know, you know here, there's an interesting uh, fact. It came out of the Harvard Business Review some years ago. They said that uh, 
Effective client onboarding leads to up to a 7x increase, a seven times increase in customer stickiness. Very interesting, yeah. Think about that. How many of your customers or my customers um, have ever had buyer's remorse? Yeah. Right, why do we think that is? Do, you, do we think it's because there was a garbage onboarding process that made them feel like, man, these guys were so great and then suddenly I'm not so sure anymore. Yep, yep. Right? Yep. How do we build the systems and tools necessary so that we never have that with a customer? So that when they they first start with us, right? Yep. Post-contract, they feel like millions. I want to tell you, I want, I'll tell you a quick story about this. We recently signed a client and one of the things that we do programmatically is we have a, a welcome box that we send to clients. And in that welcome box, it's mildly customized to who they are, but everybody gets um, a prepared group mug, but it has their name on it. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so our logo, their name. Mm-hmm. This particular customer, we sat down in their office. Uh, we had signed an agreement on a Tuesday. We're meeting with them again next Tuesday. So we shipped that box as quickly as we could. Yep. It got there Monday. Just in time for your Tuesday meeting. Just in time for our Tuesday meeting. Tell me, how do you think we walked in on Monday or on Tuesday? They had they had the stuff set up. They were drinking out of the mugs. Yeah. Right? And it was because we had shown them we're more than just talk. Yeah. We really value you. And a small, I mean, I mean, we're talking a welcome gift that costs us less than $40 delivered in a nice box, everything branded, mm-hmm. etc. Customized gifts for them. That $40, mm-hmm. right, is going to return itself in spades to us right. over and over and over and over. Right. That's not the only gift that we're ever going to give them, but it sets a tone within a relationship. And so one of the things that I talk to a lot of business owners about is where and how do you strategically gift and how do you budget and, and create process around strategic gifting, right. right? Most business owners neglect this completely. And I don't understand why other than they feel like it's too hard, too complicated, too difficult, etc. And it's not, it's the easiest thing in the world. When I first started my um, my business back in 2009, um, I came out of the architectural engineering construction market. And what um, what I did was I knew within that market who some of the top designers were and contractors were. And in order to introduce my company to them, I had gone and done the research on each one of the CEOs and the decision makers and customized a package for each one of them. One of them had a new puppy, you know, so I delivered something for that new puppy, you know, to show them that I took the effort to look at and research what was important to them, you know, and even, you know, as much as like five years, and this was in 2009, even as far back as maybe five years ago, there were some that still had some of those gifts. Right. You know, and, and but that's, it left that's a lasting impression. Yeah. 
Absolutely, and, and and that's what you've got to do is is how do you build? What kind of relationships came out of that? You mind talking no, about that? No, that's exactly it. You know, they the main thing is is they they remembered they remembered who we were, so that when I went back in there and started calling them. They said, oh, yeah, I remember you gave me that gift, you know, that type deal. So what it did was it opened the door and it also created an atmosphere of the um, towards the no like and trust because they knew I spent the time and effort it took to understand what was really important to them. So the gift was more than just a you know, a common gift that you would give a, a promotional gift. It was something that spoke to them. Right. And that's, and that's what's important when you're talking about that customer experience. You've got to put yourself in their shoes. Absolutely. And, and that's where effectively balancing programmatic. Yep. Right. And personal is yep. so key. That's exactly it. That's exactly right. it. You can systemize things to the hilt and get rid of that personalized experience. You know, you need those systems. I understand that. But you also need to, um, to build in that customization, that that understanding that, you know, they're, they're not one in the same. Exactly. You know, I have an academy um, that has been set up specifically for solo entrepreneurs called marketatomy.academy. And the way I've set the, the academy up is it does deliver educational materials, educational courses, just like everybody else. The difference is, is the focus. First of all, it's focused primarily on solo micro entrepreneurs. And with that in mind, it's focused on where their mind is. Where do I start? What do I do next? So we carry them through. But more importantly, the, there's an interactive component with every single course to where they can customize it for their own business, you know, and allowing them to be able to do that tells them, you know, look, yeah, this is specifically for me. It's not for, you know, the business down the street that it worked for and it's not going to work for me. Yeah, you know? that's, that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. 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 So, so we have to put ourselves in, in our customer's shoes in order to really understand how to get that no like, and trust, um, uh, feeling. Absolutely. That's, that's what's going to create those raving fans. Have you read, uh, Peter Shankman's book, excellent book called zombie loyalists on that topic? No, I've heard about it, but I have not. Yeah, so Peter has this concept, and, and, and I think it's, it's quite germane to this discussion. He said, the average American is used to being treated like crap. What All a, what it a takes, thought. <laughs> right. All it takes to win in business, to build raving fans, to build those who are going to be absolute loyalists to you, is one step above crap. That's terrible thinking. It really is. <laughs> right. That's all it takes. It's, it's, I think a lot of people believe and think I've got to become the most highfalutin and it's going to be so difficult and, and, and. Yeah, I know. Yeah. No, like, like, think about this. 
it, it could be something as simple for as a restaurant owner remembering your name when you walk in. Right. Uh, my business partner, David, he tells a story about he went to, I think it was Gramercy Tavern. Uh, he's from New York City. And some so a few days later, he got a thank you note from the chef. And it specifically mentioned not the item that other people in the party ordered, but the item that he ordered. Wow. And it was just a handwritten thank you note from the chef. Now, if you know Danny Meyer, you're not going to be surprised that they have this level of care, concern, and intention. But it's been probably 25 years, 20 years since that occurred, and he still tells that story. Right? And so what are the things that you can do as a business owner that are small, that are insignificant, that are one step above crap? Yeah that are going to leave a lifetime mm-hmm. of impression. Mm-hmm. Exactly it. It just does not have to be highfalutin, expensive, no. complex. It can be very, very simple. Yeah. As simple as a handwritten thank you note. Um, and now they have these, these um, businesses, what is it, uh, you send it or whatever? You can do per- customized, personalized greeting cards and, and notes and things like that. And it's virtually hands off. Yeah. You know, it could be systematized, but it's still personalized. Yep, exactly. And, and that's what I'm talking about is, is nothing. It doesn't have to be ultra complex. You can build a system that is simple. We use a, a company called uh, uh, the website is cardsforclients.com. Yeah. I yeah. And and we do all of our gifting through that. And you know what? We have it set up so that it ties to our marketing automation system. Yeah. I can apply yeah. a tag mm-hmm. to somebody and it sends it in, it can send an entire box. Yeah. With no effort on our part. Yeah. A yeah. huge impact as a result. I mean, because what do you have a, a dropship company that, you know, that you well, work so, with or what? So cardsforclients.com is the company. Mhm. Uh, that's their website. I don't remember the company name. I don't even remember the company name. Okay. Okay. I don't even. I don't even know because, I maybe. I don't. Know, it doesn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. What matters is it. It ties to our automation system, and it sends out what we need to send out. Right. And so, so when we're sending out mugs or when we're sending out notepads or pens or whatever, it'll do that, and does it simply, effectively, quickly, etc. And so I think it's those kinds of things. And that's a systemized approach to it. Absolutely. It's absolutely, but it's personal too. Yeah. Right? If I send you something with your name on it, Definitely. right? It's yeah. certainly not personal. Yeah. Right? A yeah. gift with your name on it becomes very personal. And, and so it's those kinds of things where it's like, look, this is very low effort, relatively low expense on our part. But very personal. And, and and so I think one of the things that as we look at marketing strategy, I I want people to understand is what we've been having is a discussion on marketing strategy. That's exactly it. There are a lot of people who would categorize this as operations. This is an operational onboarding discussion. Mm-hmm. And they don't realize that this is in point of fact a marketing discussion. It is. It is. And, and I and I say that for, for a couple important reasons. One, if you think your marketing is just advertising, 
that's your first problem. But secondly, yes, your marketing does not stop when you acquire a customer. No. I think a lot of people's perspective is marketing's job is to acquire me a customer. Yes. Marketing's job is to build you a lifelong customer. And that, that goes well beyond, well beyond yes. the initial acquisition. But its job is also, similarly, to extract value back to the business for that customer relationship. Mm -hmm. And so that could be things like testimonials, referrals, online reviews, offline reviews, etc. and so forth. And there's many, many other things that need to be a part of what we're talking about here. Because the reason that we're doing all this gifting, the reason that we're investing in these systems and these processes is because we've got to get some kind of business value out of it. Business value and again, we boil back to that credibility, that no like and trust, you know, so you want them to feel comfortable and not have that buyer's remorse. I was yep. looking just now um, for a quote someone had just sent me this morning. Um, one of the things that I have noticed on the um, no like and trust, the, the engagement side of things is we are moving more towards the community environment, building our own niche communities that we can share and, 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 and share information and brainstorm, you know, and things like that. And um, so that's something that we are starting to get into. And the research is showing that more and more people are wanting to go to this as opposed to your Facebooks, you know, and stuff like that, because they're lost. They, they're, they're lost in the, in the minutiae and everything that's happening with Facebook and Twitter and, you know, and everything else. And they want that community that they can go to for answers and, you know, and, and trust. So what are your thoughts as far as that's concerned? You know, I, I think that community building is potentially the second most effective way to grow your business. Yeah. Um, with the only more effective way being strategic partnership. Oh yeah. Oh my okay. goodness, yes. Yeah. And, and, and so as I look at community building, I think that there's three things. One, how is it that you create an, a, share, a shared identity for that tribe of people? Right? Um, it could be, and what's funny is, is there are all kinds of communities that are dispersed but have identifying markers to them, mm -hmm. right? Uh, yep. I'm an author, right? I'm a wino. I'm a painter. I'm an artist, mm -hmm. right? I'm a musician, right? Et cetera, et cetera. We could go on and on. But those titles denote what kind of community I belong to, right? And what kind of tribe I am a part of. Mm -hmm. And so one of the big things that, that I would push here is how do you craft a name for what kind of people you are bringing to your community, mm -hmm. right? And this could be a existing name, right? This could be a created name, right? Uh, but I think that's piece one. Piece two, building community portals or places 
digitally is very difficult. Mm-hmm. Is very difficult. And one of the hard things is people have to choose to go spend time in that community. Mm-hmm. And so one of the questions I often ask people is as you're building a community, why is somebody intentionally logging into this community? What is happening? What has happened? That they say I have to log in here today. Right. Right. Okay. That's piece and two. It might be it might be a poll. It might be a question that was asked. You know things like that. So it could be any number of things, right? From a discussion or a question, uh, etc. And so forth. Mm-hmm. Third, how do we create a culture within our community? You can have community all you want. But if you don't have a clear culture that you protect, that you outline, that you delineate, Mm -hmm. the community will struggle to grow or not grow at all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All I'll give a quick example. We host a uh, an uh, agency owners roundtable every other week. So a bunch of marketing agency owners, a bunch of us get together uh, every other week, and we we do a few activities. One of my jobs as the facilitator of said community is to outline, control, and delimit the kinds of behavior that are acceptable and unacceptable. So for me, one of the forms of behavior that is unacceptable mm-hmm. that, I, that I am trying to currently inculturate is silence is not acceptable. Yeah. Right? Yeah. This is not a community, this is not a time where you can come and lurk. This is a time where where you are going to give your thoughts to others. Right. Right? With the aim of benefiting other people in the community. Right, masterminding, yeah. And, and, well, not, not necessarily just masterminding, but the idea of saying the community is not here for you to quietly come extract value, AKA learn, mm-hmm. right? And walk away providing nothing. Exactly, exactly. The culture of our community is everybody gives and everybody receives. Mm-hmm. And that's what I, uh, what we are cra- trying to craft as an intentional piece of our culture. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so you know what? There are people who sometimes have been silent for 50 minutes in, in, in one of our get togethers. And mm-hmm. I will, will stop everything else and I will call that person out right, and right. say, you know, Jim, tell me your thoughts on this. Right. And in many cases, they have brilliant, insightful thoughts, right? But they thought that this was a community where they didn't have to share them. Yeah. Or they wouldn't be received well if they shared them because they were new or different, etc. And so facilitating that as a reality. And so kind of the piece three here is as you're building a community, Community only works if you craft a culture, right? Because ultimately, it's not you who who lives out that culture. It's the members of the community who ultimately say, this is our culture and we will defend it even when you, facilitator, are not looking. Right, exactly, exactly. Oh, well... (laughs) It's a lot of information right now. 
So, you know, we're, we're coming up on the end of another show. And Ken, can you tell our listeners how they can get a hold of you if they want to find out more information about what you do, uh, how to, you know, um, yeah, absolutely. build that, that, that environment that's going to build raving fans? Yeah, absolutely. The, the, there's, there's a couple of great ways to connect with us. One, you can go to, the, go to uh, LinkedIn, and on LinkedIn you can find me uh, under Kendall, K-E-N-D-E-L-L, Cook. You'll notice the large cowboy hat in the photo, uh, very similar to this one. Uh, secondly, you can uh, go to our website, thepreparedgroup.com. In there, uh, if you're a marketing agency owner, I would encourage you to join our agency owners book club and roundtable. Uh, totally free, we don't sell anything. Uh, but it's a great way to connect with other agency owners as well as to uh, get more books into your mind without having to do all the work of reading each and every one of them. Definitely. Uh, so those, those are two great ways to connect with us. Definitely. Well, I want to thank you for joining us once again today. And um, all of you listening out there, if you'll make sure that you leave a review on whatever podcast delivery platform you are listening to us on today or go to the Charged Up Studio Facebook page and leave a review there. If you want to learn more about different topics or skill sets associated with growing a successful business, visit our online e-learning environment called marketatomy.academy. Look forward to meeting with you once again next week with another exciting episode where small businesses can get charged up for success. Thank you once again, Ken Cook, for joining us for this, this exciting uh, episode here on Charged Up Studio. Thank you for having me. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.